Hey, what's going on? Thanks for checking out the podcast. My name's Jason Bay. You can call me J-Bay. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and this is a podcast for sales reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with their prospects, but hate when they go to send a cold email or make a cold call, and they're not quite sure you know, what to say or what's going to get the best response from a prospect. So if that's ever happened to you before, you're definitely in the right place. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Ethan Butte, Chief Evangelist Officer at BombBomb. Let's get to the episode. So one of the things that I've been really big on here in the last two or three years, actually, it's almost been three years now, actually, it's 2021, is video prospecting. And as much as people talk about it, especially in SaaS and tech and all that stuff, there are still so few videos that actually get sent. And I work with a lot of companies, and if you're listening to this, you might be part of a company that sells services or something a little more traditional that isn't software, that isn't considered tech, right? And in a lot of those industries, I I rarely see video. And the point in bringing that up is really to talk about the opportunity. And I couldn't think of a better person to have come on than Ethan Butte. I mean, they wrote a book on rehumanizing your business. It's all about video. He's got another book coming out that he'll talk about today on the episode. But the big thing is around this, like, how do we make the experience that our prospects have with us more personable? How do we show ourselves, our personality, so that the prospect doesn't look at us as just another email in their inbox or as a LinkedIn message or a voicemail, right? That we are actually humanizing ourselves. People are so much less likely to really say no to someone (laughs) if they feel some sort of connection to them. They're at least willing to have a conversation with you, which is what it's all about. So what we're going to talk about is a few different things, but this really what we're going to do is kind of dance through these two themes of like attention. So how do we get attention from our prospects? And he's going to talk about video and he's got some great best practices around that. And we're going to also talk about efficiency because that's another big hang up that I hear with video. Well, if I got to send out a couple personalized videos, isn't that going to take a really long time? And honestly, like it will probably take you a while when you're getting started. I remember the first 100 that I sent of these and it was rough. I was constantly re-recording videos and it was like a very foreign kind of thing to me. And now being on video is like not a problem. And I don't say that to like brag or anything. It's just because I've done thousands of videos now, you know, especially between like recording videos on podcasts and like LinkedIn posts or whatever it might be. It's just a comfort thing, you know, and that's really where we want to get to this is repetition of video. So I'm super excited for you to listen to this. And before we get to the episode, if you like more bite-sized content, so, hey, you listen to these podcasts, you like the long-form stuff, but you want something that's a little more bite-sized, you know, let's say a LinkedIn post that you could consume in like five minutes and take action on real quick, make sure to check out blissfulprospecting.com slash Jason. I actually put together like a greatest hits of all of our content, and I tried to find all the bite-sized stuff. So the seven-second video bump email that you can implement that Zoe talked about on the podcast, there's cold call openers quick things that you can do to personalize email, subject lines, all of that stuff. If you want something that's more bite-sized, that's like highly actionable, check out blissfulprospecting.com slash Jason. And let's get to the interview with Ethan. So I'm uh, excited to talk to you because I feel like I've been talking to a lot of folks from BombBomb lately. (laughs) 
Yeah, you have. It's great to see them all. Like, you know, as long as I've worked with Mitch and with Zoe, mm-hmm. hearing them talk to somebody else in depth, you just get to know them differently. It's really cool. Yeah, no, it's super fun. And I've just been a big fan of Bomb Bomb as well. So it's it's good to connect. And in doing some research on you, like I mentioned, we have to talk about like the transition in your career. I mean, you started out in television. Was there any part of it? Because the conversation today is going to be kind of around this like, kind of just like being human, you know, as, as much as people might hate that phrase right now. When you were in television, I'm curious, how buttoned up did you have to like be working in an industry like that? You know, the nice thing about television is that especially on the marketing and the production side, mm-hmm. especially like a news department, there is just a lot of grinding. Yeah. There's a lot of work. It's fast paced on like a lot of kind of old fashioned corporate jobs. It moved very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about it, I was on the marketing side. So I created those 30 second spots, 15 second spots, watch this, do that. Here's what's amazing, et cetera. You know, this thing will kill you. So watch tonight at 10. And I ran teams of people doing the same. And the cool thing about it was high, high repetition of writing, a lot of video editing, and a lot of skills that ended up lending themselves very well to content marketing. And I was on leadership teams. So I was at the weekly meeting with all the heads of all the departments and certainly in you know, like in sales, for example, all suits all the time. It was pretty buttoned up, but as the marketing guy, you get to show up a little bit more relaxed than that. It was fun work because it was so fast and it was always new and it was always interesting, but at a certain point, you just kind of get bored of it because it's so cyclical. Also, the product itself is not really all that smart. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because it seems like there's such a short shelf life when you're doing news. You're talking about something that usually probably I would assume 99% of the content you put out, people forget about like the next week. It's all stuff that's like happening right now. Is that the case? And did any of that feel kind of draining where you put all of this work and you have to be so responsive and then you put it out and then it's like new topic next week? Here's the thing. I've never had a drug addiction, but this kind of dynamic is close in that is just constantly rewarded, like hit the button, hit the button, hit the button. Like this ability to take something that's happening, create something around it, rush it down to master control and get it onto television, like all within a tight window of time. So just really quick illustration here, because I think you'll draw some parallels to, to sales and marketing in a more broad sense. So kind of the three layers specific to the news, which is the high turnover stuff, specific to the news, there are kind of like three layers. One of them is like an image campaign, and you would create this image campaign about kind of who you are, what you're about, who you serve, the way you would go about things, kind of like this broader, like the umbrella, like this is who we are, and this is what we're about, and this is why, you know, you like us and we like you or whatever the case may be. And you would run that for four to six months at a time and like just slowly evolve it. And then on a more immediate basis, it could be a couple of days out or even a couple of hours out. You're saying this thing is happening, you know, watch this tonight or watch this on Thursday or whatever. And so that was like a little bit more immediate. And then for me, probably the most fun thing was kind of the proof of performance, which is after the coverage of something happens, you create spots that say that kind of tie back to the image. Yeah campaign that's running over top of all of this to say, hey, remember we told you that we stand for these things, or this is how we think about things, or this is how we approach things, or this is why this shared values kind of image campaign, you would reinforce that, in fact, this is how we just 
presented this or covered this or delivered this for you the way we promised we would. And so that was kind of like the three pieces. But yes, the, the shelf life on a watch this thing tonight or watch this thing Thursday and even the proof of performance was very limited, a couple days max, but it would all kind of fall under an umbrella campaign that would run for months on end. See, it's really interesting. There's, I mean, like you said, there's some parallels. There's kind of so many different directions we could even take that because it's almost like when you're prospecting, you're kind of like just resharing this message that like your company is putting out about something and you're taking like little bits and pieces of it and your cold email has like basically no shelf life, right? On your, on your emails, um, your videos and all this other stuff. And it's like, you're kind of like putting out a lot of this information and like trying to get people to kind of see the bigger picture I'm kind of curious around this like attention span because you've been doing this for a while, man. The attention span with this kind of stuff and like needing that short news cycle. How have you seen that like change like just in the last, what, 15, 20 years? Because I think there's a huge correlation with this and like trends and prospecting right now. Like what have you seen in just like a people's attention span just sort of anecdotally and like the work that you do? Yeah, a couple of things. First, I'll say you have a much greater opportunity today with the tools that are available. This is going to cut both ways, as you would expect, as so many things do, right? Just these paradoxical things in life. What I didn't have was the ability to create a spot to speak to Jason or Tina or Jeff or all of the people like Jeff. I had to mass blast. I mean, this is true mass blast spray and pray, speak to everybody, hope that their values identify with your values. And it's this constant tension of how specific can we get, but still reach as many people as possible, right? And that's still in play at some level in prospecting, you know, even though, you know, mass now kind of means segment. Yeah. So the ability to capture and sustain attention by being very, very specific which we generally throw into the buckets of personalization and relevance is much higher now. At the same time, the volume, right? Like I was competing with essentially 60 other channels, which really isn't the competition. The competition, as we know, in sales and in television is not buying anything, you or your competitor. And in television, it's not watching television, which is one of the reasons I left because I didn't really watch much television. So, you know, this tension between How many messages do I have to put out in order to get that initial attention? Like the tools we have available make it such that really isn't the dynamic the same way as it was earlier in my career because I can be so much more specific. The tension is in, can I do that efficiently, right? And so that's when we talk about video messaging, people are like, I can't record 10 videos for 10 different people. That's crazy. I don't have time to do that. So you make one video to try to speak to 10 different people all at the same time. And it's like, ah, you know, there's a give and take there. Either answer might be right, depending on the circumstance, but the more specific you can be to somebody, obviously, the greater your chance of connecting. And so, you know, are you going to get three in 10 if you do a a one for 10 treatment? Or could you get three in five if you did five individual treatments? And so that's the thing. It's like, and I guess I'll give it back to you, just offering that we all say that we hate advertising, And most of us do, but most of us have a favorite ad, you know, if pressed, it's like, oh yeah, I love that one ad in which blah, 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 blah. And and the point there is that, you know, just because something is for everyone doesn't mean it's not going to connect with people and resonate with people. Like not everything has to be truly, truly personal. And so that creates another Mm -hmm. interesting challenge and dynamic in what do I do right now? If I need and want to get over to there, there are like multiple paths, which one am I going to take? And these are some of the levers that you have to consider pulling in 
it's always hard to know which one to pull. Yeah. It's funny what you mentioned there too, around uh, people hating ads. Well, people say the same thing. I hate cold emails. I hate getting cold calls. Yet those are the same people that if something catches their attention, they're the first one to share it on LinkedIn and say, this is how you're supposed to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Right. And it's funny because the same people looking at that post, Michael, like, that's really not that interesting or good. Yeah. That's the crazy thing about all of it. It's so highly subjective and mm-hmm. it's so context-based. You might get a cold email and say, man, that is a really, really good cold email. But if you had gotten it a day earlier or a week later, you might not have felt the same way, you know, based on, now you as someone that teaches and coaches around it, you're a little bit different. But for those of us that are primarily on the receiving end And certainly people that are on the creating end too, and not doing kind of this broader survey that you are by working with a variety of different people on it, you know, the context when and how we receive something significantly affects how much attention we're going to give it and whether it passes the initial attention test and gets legitimate scrutiny. Yeah. So there's kind of two themes emerging. It seems like there's kind of this like efficiency, you know, kind of a theme and there's kind of like attention theme. Let's talk about the attention piece. And I mean, you guys put out a great book, right? Rehumanize your business and you're working on another one right now. What are some of the stuff that you have found? Like, how does video fit into this attention thing? And I'd love for you to address the, is video a fad or not? I know you have some strong opinions on this and some other people have some very strong opinions on whether or not like video is a thing that's here to stay or not. But how does it fit into this attention game? Yeah, I think I really like what you put together there because Video now, now like for the hardcore people that are listening to podcasts like this and spending a lot of time on LinkedIn or really are at the edge of all of this stuff, video might start to feel like played out or stale. But when you think about the market at large and you think about how many video emails that you get compared to how many other types of cold touches that you get, it is still brand new, basically. Like if you think about a standard tech adoption curve, I think the movement from the first phase into early adopter, I think it's innovators or pioneers or, you know, different charts, we'll call it different things. But that first phase is like two and a half percent of the market. I mean, there are a lot of people that will say they tried it because there are a bunch of free and freemium services. And typically people don't invest in kind of learning it and practicing it or whatever they expect, like magic results. And I think these are some of the people that say it's a fad. We can definitely get attention with video right now because it's different. And again, even though some people might feel like it's like it's on that edge of like too many people are doing it, the whiteboard is stale, the blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you what, if you haven't received a video email in the past three weeks, which is most working professionals right now, and you get one with your name or your logo drawn on it or a asking a question that's highly relevant to who you are as an individual or based on your role, these kinds of things, there's still enough novelty there to get attention. The problem is A lot of people are seeking it exclusively for attention. Like, I just want the attention. I just want the open rate and the play rate, right? And they're not really thinking about what is the proper use of the medium? What part of the message belongs in the typed out text? And what part of the message belongs in the video? How should I be in the video? Should I read a script off my screen in the video so that I can say the right words? Or perhaps you're in a dynamic where someone is forcing you to say the right I'm air quoting for people listening, the right words, you know, in the right order. And therefore you sound robotic and you're losing the whole value of the medium in the first place, which is eye contact, sincerity, like just bringing the message to life a little bit, putting a face with your name so that in referencing the voicemail that you left, hey, I'm the guy that left you that voicemail the other day. I just want to put a face with the name, remind you that blah, 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 blah. And so 
I think if you see it as a fad, you're going to treat it as a fad and you're going to treat it for the qualities that are going to make it feel fad-like. Now I'll step out really broad. My vision for video messages, and by that I mean videos and emails, video and Slack messages, video and LinkedIn messages, video and text messages, et cetera, short, casual, conversational videos for the purpose of replacing what would otherwise be plain typed out text. And we can talk about when you use text versus when you use video if we want to that this just belongs in the mix and that we can stop talking about video one day soon as a thing, as like a strategy or a tactic. It's like, it's just a communication medium. No one gets in their head really about phone calls. Although certainly if you talk to a bunch of BDRs and SDRs, they'll have stories about their first phone call and how awkward it was and all that type of stuff. Well, you're going to have that with video too, but we don't really think twice about sending out emails or sending out LinkedIn connection requests or messages or getting on a Zoom call or, you know, whenever we can do it again, getting into a conference room or sitting down across a desk or sitting down at the local coffee shop or writing a handwritten note. We don't really think about any of this stuff and go, I got this hot strategy. I'm going to send emails to people or I got this hot strategy. I'm going to pick up the phone and call them, right? So like video just belongs in the mix. I see a day when anyone working in a professional capacity can use these channels in the way that is the most appropriate and the most beneficial for the recipient and for them. And so I think for the people that give it a short view and they're going to give it a short treatment as a consequence, and it's going to feel short. I think for people who have a longer view, they see, gosh, there are several circumstances in which it is so much more effective for the person or the people I'm reaching out to as a consequence, so much more effective for me just to hit record and explain it or to hit record and show the report on the screen and talk about what it means and what they should be looking for in the report, like these kinds of things. And so people have to decide for themselves and be conscious about how they're treating it, which is a reflection of how they're thinking about it, which is a consequence of how it's going to turn out for them. And I prefer that people take the long view. I think it's just a much more personal and human way to communicate. We're going to spend more time in the future in digital and virtual channels, not less. And therefore, when you think about the alternative, are you just going to keep sending more plain black text on a plain white screen that doesn't differentiate you and doesn't build trust and rapport and doesn't communicate nearly as well as you do when you look someone in the eye through the camera lens and just talk to them? Yeah. Or are you going to put this into the mix and find appropriate times to do it? Yeah. A couple quick comments on that. I think what you said around the medium is so important around like, it's just another thing, right? There's reading stuff, there's listening to stuff, and there's watching stuff. It's not about like doing one or the other, do all of those things, right? Yeah. It's no different than a, you know, the marketing exercise I do with these podcasts is we record a audio podcast. I get to use snippets of the video and put it on LinkedIn. Parts of that might get transcribed into a blog post. It's like providing this information in as easy of a way for the person to consume as possible. What are some of the things from maybe like a psychology standpoint that are going on for the person that receives it. Cause you said this, like, Oh, it like makes you seem like a person. And then like, they can like, Oh, Ethan is an actual human being, not just some email that I get. Like, what are some of the things going on, like on the receiving end for the people that are getting the videos? Yeah. So high level, we've been communicating through our faces and our voices, eye to eye, face to face for millennia at least 150,000 years. And it's only been in the past 500 years or so that the majority of the developed world has been literate. 
we started capturing phonetic sounds like the things we say and writing them down and sharing them with each other that way about 5,000 years ago. But even in the developed world, the vast majority of people were illiterate until about 500 years ago. So we have this deep, deep, deep training and evolution in decoding meaning from people's faces and voices. And so if you are sincere about what you're offering, if you believe in it, if you have a real opportunity or can solve a real problem for somebody, if you are really excited in saying thank you or congratulations and you actually mean it, or if you're seriously concerned or interested in someone's well-being, if you are sincere, one of the best things you can do in a variety of circumstances is to communicate that in video if you cannot do it in person. You know, if you can do it synchronously, over a Zoom call, better than in a recorded message, probably if there's a give and take necessary. Over the phone's not bad, but it's missing a lot of the facial expressions. Facial expression of emotion is both universal and innate. Everyone across societies, across culture, across time does it the same way. And it's innate. We start doing it from birth. We learn to do it from birth. There's science about the way the brain is wired to read parents' faces earlier, like higher levels of the brain are attuned to people's faces as if in infants. So we're like, this is just part of the human experience. We're highly social, we're highly visual, and we're highly emotional. 95 to 98% of our brain activity is subconscious. And the vast majority of our decisions are made subconsciously. And then sometimes we rationalize them after the fact. And some things we do actually kick up to the hardest working, most energy intensive part of our brain to rationally process it out And even then, it's highly emotionally influenced. And I offer all that to say, when we're reaching out to other people with messages of sincerity that we are excited about or believe in, that is communicated to the person, not just in the words that we say, but of course, in how we say them. And so this deeper understanding is much more complete when we send it in a more complete format which is video compared to faceless typed out text. Another piece of research we threw into Rehumanize Your Business is that when we get a piece of writing, with some exceptions of like it's from your sister or it's from your mom or it's from someone you know really well and they use a phrase that's kind of an inside joke between you, besides these little triggers or these really deep connections, our brains don't even associate printed text with a human writer. We have to do that consciously at some point, which we may never do, but our default is not even to assign that to a human writer. We assign more humanity to Siri and Alexa and some of these other things that talk back to us than we do to plain text on a screen. That research is in the book too. And so if we want to make, and the last piece here, and then I'll give it back to you to redirect, the last piece that's kind of going on, there are a lot more. The last one I'll talk about is this idea of vulnerability, this idea that stops people from getting on video in the first place, which is that they feel a little bit exposed. They don't have as much control as they do. Like we have an amazing amount of control over our entire digital presence. We post what we want. We hide back what we don't. We take six pictures and post the best one. We do the video eight times and then put up the version that we feel like we got right. We type the email and then we knock out two lines and we cut and we paste and we edit And then we think about sending and then we edit it a little bit more and then we send it, right? And there's a lot of just high level of control in all these digital channels. If we post a blog post, we can just edit it and update it on the fly, you know? And so we have this, all this control. And so this idea of kind of letting go, it's one of the reasons I love the podcast format. When we let go and just kind of let it happen, which we have to do in video messages, 
it feels uncomfortable for people. But your ability to do so, even messing up and then backing up and restating yourself, just like you would if you were across the table over coffee or lunch, this, this vulnerability and this willingness to just kind of be yourself in the moment and just expose yourself and your thoughts in this opportunity, A, another benefit is a human face is harder to reject than a faceless email. So you're much more likely to get some yeses there. But in addition, it's an invitation for other people to connect to you. This opening yourself, and we all know this from our personal relationships. When you reveal a secret to someone, it feels liberating and they feel a lot closer to you. And now you have something that you share. And I'm not saying that you get onto video messages and expose secrets about yourself or your company, but like just you're exposing yourself in a more natural format than you're accustomed to. And it's refreshing to other people. And it's an invitation for them to open up to you as well. Yeah, I love that. I want to get into some of these, like if we look into the more tactical parts of being good on video, and then we can get into some of the, maybe the you know techniques and stuff from a prospecting standpoint. Yeah. One thing that just sticks out to me, and I wouldn't expect any less, of course, but like everyone I interact with at BombBomb is like very good at sending videos. Very good. You know, it's like they send it to me. I don't feel like, oh God, like when's this going to be over? They look super friendly. They're looking into the camera like this. I mean, everything is just very, it makes them very approachable, you know, is the thing. And like, what are some kind of quick hitting best practices around just like kind of the small stuff like that, that when someone sees this video outside of the message of what you're saying, like, what are some of the basics around like some of the other things that you should be doing so that you look very presentable and just approachable? Sure. That's a really kind thing for you to say. And the neat thing is how to do video is not part of our onboarding, (laughs) right? It's just not. And so what you see when you interact with us is A, this is critical, employees and team members that are happy to be here. Mm -hmm. So that's key because it underpins everything else I'll share because it's based in this kind of sincerity and authenticity. And if you hate your job and hate your company and wonder why you're showing up every day, video probably is not the solution for you because that's going to come through, right? Like our brains are deeply attuned, like the kind of the hardcore people, like the profilers or the interrogators and these types of people that we watch cable shows about or, you know, read about, Mm. they're highly, highly attuned to kind of the micro expressions and the discrepancies between what we're saying and how we're saying it and what our voice sounds like versus what our faces are communicating. Even if we're not super attuned to it, like an interrogator is, we all do it, right? We can read people's faces. So they like what they're doing. They believe in what they're doing. And this is key too. They've done it thousands of times. I've sent more than 11,000 videos. Zoe has sent more than 5,000 videos. I don't know what Mitch's number is, but it's like two or 3,000 videos. It's just part of what we do. And so anyone would tell you that their 10th was better than their first. And anyone would tell you that their 1,000th was better than their 200th. And so to get to something even more practical, first, I'll just kind of button that up. Practice is the key to success. Practice builds confidence confidence builds success. And by practice, I don't mean act like you're going to record a video. I mean, actually record a video. And I don't mean record a video and play it back and judge the heck out of yourself and delete it. I mean, record the video and send it. It's this process of sending. And here's what's going to happen is you're going to get a reply that validates your effort. Because again, it is different. It is going to get attention. And if it's about one person, whether you're saying, thank you, good job, congratulations, or I just noticed, I was sorry to hear, I'm thinking about you. 
No matter what you're saying, if it's about that person and you send three to five of them, you're going to get some replies that say, oh gosh, this is different and better. So you already mentioned eye contact, basically decent lighting, basically clean background like yours. I'm in my office. Otherwise, I'm in my home office, which is actually my bedroom because we live in a very small house, my wife and son and me. But, you know, as I realized I was going to be spending a lot of time there, I just kind of changed a couple things around me. I removed a lamp that was off kind of this piece of furniture that was behind me because I felt like it was distracting from the shot. If you have an overhead fan, point the camera down, get the fan out of the shot. It's distracting. Minimize background noise. The basic, the basic layer of good enough is, can I see you and can I hear you? The next layer is, is your background clean, professional, and perhaps a little bit personal? It's okay to have personal effects in there you know, like stuff on the shelf. You see a lot of people setting up bookshelf stuff and maybe they have like, I don't know, I have my book back there. And, you know, so people will turn out things that mean things to them and that kind of stuff. So last thing I'll say is don't use a script. Use, I guess, a framework or a formula or whatever. Different people teach different things, but typically it's some version of why this is relevant to you, two or three bullet points and call to action kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And just kind of internalize that message. Start with one or two types of messages. I recommend people start with messages of gratitude. It's a great way to get practice in and it's really, really easy. Look at your social feeds, pay attention in meetings, check out Slack channels. You have reasons all around you or just reflect, introspect and come up with a couple people that you need to say thank you to. And those are easy messages to send. They don't really even need a call to action. It'll get you comfortable with whatever software you're using. It'll get you comfortable in the room that you're in. It'll get you comfortable seeing yourself after the video. I recommend not playing the videos back until you've sent at least 10 of them. Mm -hmm. At that point, you can start playing them back and seeing what you want to do better if you want to go that route. But those are just a few concepts and practical tips. I love how practical the practice part of it is, of it is too, excuse me. I never really thought of it like that. You know, it's like, hey, to get some practice with this, go on your social feed. If you like someone's content or a company's content, send them a video. Send Ethan a video and say, hey, I just want to say I really liked your book. Yeah, I'll give you another practical one like that. This is one everyone that listens to a podcast like this can do. After you get a new LinkedIn connection request, record a video and say, hey, Tina, my name is Ethan. Thanks so much for reaching out to connect here on LinkedIn. I'll keep an eye out for you my social feed. Just want to put a face with the name. And the two things that I spend most of my time working on are customer experience and video communication like I'm doing right now. If you ever have any questions about those things, reach out and let me know. In the meantime, take care. Have a great Thursday. Yep. Right. And now you could do that as an evergreen video where you record it once and you don't speak that person's name. But typically I'll add in a nugget that's specific to their profiles, just like anyone does in prospecting, just to let people know that you're paying attention and that they matter. The act alone of recording a 28-second video for your LinkedIn connection requests is differentiating immediately. If you can talk about or ask a question about their past experience or the way they present themselves or just even someone's LinkedIn headline alone, you know, like what do they put in their headline below their name almost always gives you something. You don't even need to go to their profile for that. And so that act alone is going to generate much better conversations on LinkedIn. You don't have to do it for every connection, especially if you're one of those high volume people and you're just like connecting with tons and tons and tons of people. You might pick your spots to do it, or you might record an evergreen video where you just introduce yourself, but that is an easy one. Another LinkedIn one is when you're in actually engaged in a comments thread, you know what happens from time to time? People do more than just post stuff and like stuff. They actually engage in comments. 
which I highly recommend. It's where all the good stuff happens. But, you know, you struggle sometimes to get the whole idea out or there's something you want to say, but you feel like maybe the the it's just over or it's exhausted or it's going to be hard to say in typed out text. I'll often record a video message and just send it straight to that person. Like, hey, man, loved your post today. Love the engagement on it, especially when she said this and he said that. And, you know, what I wanted to get at with my comment there that we kind of kicked around a little bit was blah, 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 blah. Anyway, really appreciate it. If you have any thoughts on that, reply and let me know. Take care. Have a great day, right? Just extend the conversations happening somewhere else, but do it in a way that like, I don't know about you, but you know, I have several thousand connections and there are several people I engage with consistently. Many of them I've never met. I will say during COVID, I have been doing a lot more 15 and 25 minute meetings just to like bring yeah. some of that to life a little bit. But I mean, that act of doing that is insanely differentiating and produces real conversations because it's about stuff that matters to other people. Yeah. No, I love that. Especially with LinkedIn, the welcome message. If you can share your screen too and have their profile on in the background, you know, that's a really good thumbnail totally. as well. Yeah. Love it. So we got the LinkedIn stuff. The other thing I was going to mention too, by the way, is I get maybe two videos, three videos a month on LinkedIn. And I always feel special when people send me videos. Every single time I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like this person took, you know, the time to do that. So, well, actually before I asked that, cause I was thinking, I gotta get your take on this. What do you think of the videos where they use like a deep fake like technology to like say the person's name? And like, what are your thoughts on those kind of stuff? Oh man, I got a lot of thoughts on that. Okay, first I, I wanna start this where you just ended before moving on to this question. You feel special because there's no mistaking that she spent 42 seconds thinking about and communicating directly with you. And I want to draw another parallel back to typed out text. Sometimes these emails, especially important ones that we kind of fuss over, they could take us five or 10 or even 20 minutes to write mm -hmm. just to get it right, right? But when someone gets it, it's just two and a half paragraphs of text with a like final line kind of call to action, a little cheers or thanks or however you end your emails. And there's no assigning the time that spent. You could have spent four times, 10 times longer writing that email than it would have taken to communicate it in a video. But there's no mistaking when I look that camera in the lens and talk to you, Jason, about something that matters to you for 42 seconds, you feel like a superstar because it does what every human needs most. The deepest principle of human nature is a craving to be appreciated. So this ability to feel seen, heard, understood, appreciated sometimes perhaps even validated for 42 seconds, pushes a lot of happy buttons inside our brains, right? Because it's all we want. There are billions of people on the planet. What is our purpose here? We're constantly searching for meaning. Does this matter? Do I matter? Does my work matter? Am I enough? Is this good enough? Like, what is my ultimate fate and destination? What are we doing here, et cetera? Like, that's all still inside us. Even for the hardcore badass type A people that are like, don't ever spend time pondering these things consciously. You know, they might look at people who do as like mopes or something. They need it the same way everyone else does. We yeah. all need to be appreciated for the unique individual human being that we are. We are not one in a million. We are one of a kind. And so when someone can make you feel that way, even for 15 or 30 seconds, huge win. So deep, deep fake. Okay, first of all, I'm seeing them described as like artificially intelligent and deep fake. They're not deep fake. It's just like, and then they're not even intelligent. It's variable. What we're talking about for people that aren't familiar is essentially, you know, you, the way you can plug a name or a company name or an industry name into an email, very basic variable data. People are tr starting to experiment 
with this in video, where they're taking the first two or three seconds and sl- like you record the whole video once and then you assign it to a list of people. And then it says like, hey, Jennifer, and then the rest of the video. Hey, Bob, rest of the video. Hey, Jason, rest of the video. Couple things. First of all, the technology is so early that it's laughably bad. Yeah. The voice doesn't match the mouth at all. One of them that I saw, there's an obvious cut from that moment to the actual rest of the video. And then in the other one that I saw, it was a little bit more seamless, but again, the voice is laughably bad. The other thing I'll say, and the reason I started where I did with this response is that the video isn't about the person's first name. The whole rest of the video is still this kind of like mass blast thing or segmented. Segmented is more fair. You're getting this because, right? The same as we would in an email. And that's fine. I just feel like, A, it's disingenuous. B, the technology is horrible right now and it's going to take a long time to get there. C, it's not intelligent. Zoe Hartsfield, who is on your podcast and has sent 5,000 videos, received one of these saying, have you ever thought about video for prospecting? That ain't intelligent right? That is mass blast, highly irrelevant. Yes, I thought about video for prospecting. I've done it 5,000 times, right? Like intelligence isn't automation and automation is not intelligent, right? And so it's still got some of the significant flaws of bad prospecting. And it acts as if the first name, if technology even got right, it acts as if the first name is the thing, which is fine. I mean, there's definitely science that the sweetest sound in the English language is your first name. It's probably true of every language and people's names in those languages too. So there is something about the first name that gets attention. But, you know, just like people are kind of dissing the whiteboard and some of these other kind of tactics that they feel like too many people have used. I mean, my gosh, acting like you're saying someone's first name off the top is as shallow as it gets. So even when you can iron it out, I think a real deep fake video, by the way, for people curious about that phrase, it typically applies, like one of the bigger projects is an Obama deep fake. And it's being done by one of the research universities in California. And they're working with hours and hours of video footage of Barack Obama. And because they have this insane library of facial expressions and tones of voice and inflection and all these other things, they can do like a kind of passable job. The kind of software that you can buy off the shelf on subscription ain't that. It's not a major university research department based on hours and hours of footage of one of the most well-documented adult human beings in our lifetime. So they have a lot to work with. So it's like, even when you can do more than the first name and you can start slugging in other variables, it's still not going to get the intent right. It's still not going to get the sincerity right. It's still not going to get the inflection and the tone right. And if it does, we're decades away and we'll have much different conversations to have at that point. And so I feel like it it also solves a problem that we don't have. There is a thing called an evergreen video. Someone might call it something different, but you'll understand it when I explain it. You record the video once and you send it to 20 people or 200 people or 200,000 people because they fit the criteria that that video was recorded for. Or you record that this is typical in many companies' onboarding processes or even sales and marketing processes. You record the video once and it's triggered to send whenever X, Y, and Z variables are hit, right? This person fits these criteria. And so, okay, this person downloaded the mobile app and logged in for the third time. So we're going to send this video that says, 
Hey, Jason, thanks again so much for being a customer. Looks like you've downloaded the mobile app. I hope you're getting some good experiences out of it. Hey, if you have any questions, just want to give you the link down below to our quick and easy guide to the overview of the mobile app in case you do run into any issues. Something, something, something. Now, I just made that up on the fly. It may not be very good, but it's this idea that like current customer downloaded the mobile app, has logged into it. You might have another video that says current customer never downloaded the mobile app. And you send that after X number of days has expired. They've done some other things, but they haven't gotten the mobile app. You think the mobile app experience is important to retention. And so you create a video that says, hey, you've been a customer for 90 days now. Hope you're enjoying your experience. Notice you haven't downloaded the mobile app. Don't want you to miss that opportunity. It allows you to take all the benefits that you're experiencing with your laptop or your tablet with you on your phone, whatever the case is. So you don't need to say the person's first name for them to care about the video. Yeah. It's the context right? It's the context. And so yeah. those are just a few thoughts about faking like you're saying someone's first yeah. name. And the other thing too is like, it doesn't solve a real problem for starters and it's disingenuous in a fundamental way. I mean, it's, it's in the name, deep fake. It's fake. Yeah. <laughs> it's fake. Yeah. I'm just being hunted down like relentlessly by a, a company right now. And I'm just letting them send videos because I'm watching the videos and seeing what they think. And it's like the, the quality is just, it's terrible. That's the other thing about it, just because this is a prospecting show. Mm. I've seen two of these. A couple of friends sent them to me, including Zoe. And you can tell that they haven't done any video email prospecting. For starters, the video is buried at the bottom of the email. Yeah. Right? So there's like 200 words of text. And then there's a, oh, by the way, there's a video down here at the bottom. That's our whole value prop and you're burying it. And, and of course, the video yeah. quality is not particularly good. The lighting's bad. It creates a lot of, see other, that's another pro tip, by the way. If your video is grainy or there's a lag in your audio and video, it's typically caused by not having enough light. So your camera and as a consequence, your laptop probably is working a little bit too hard to create a suitable image. And so just turning on more lights is generally better than less in all circumstances. Opposite being like if you're getting hit by direct sunlight in the middle of the day, you're going to be washed out. But that's a, you know, kind of a rare exception. And so these videos were grainy and just like, I was like, they're trying to scale something that they don't even understand, which is another rant that I could go on. This idea of scaling things before we truly understand what are we doing here, right? You need to get your hands dirty. You need to do the hard work to do the real learning, to talk to the real people before you can start scaling a process. Mm -hmm. You hit on something that we don't have time to get into a debate over, <laughs> which really wouldn't be a debate between us, but this like thing around context, it's the novelty of the video is great, but if it's not contextual, it doesn't make a difference. The example I like to use is, you know, if you had a hair on fire problem, let's say that you're a sales leader and you're just 50% of like your pipeline that you need to be. And like, it's just like emergency mode. If you got an email that wasn't personalized from someone that said, hey, I have a few things here that might help you. If you're in a position right now where you're not hitting your sales pipeline, check this out, check this out, check this out. You're going to click on, that's like highly relevant for you. You're going to click on that every single time. With no personalization. Yes. The relevance is the key. Yep. And so saying the first name doesn't solve that. 
It doesn't. It's getting to the right people with things that matter to them. And the context alone can make something feel super relevant. It's been awesome, Ethan. I could spend another hour with you talking about this. Yeah, me too. (laughs) uh, Where can people go to learn more about you? I know you guys got a book out right now. You're working on a book. Like, Where can people go to consume more stuff about you and BombBomb? Sure. Thank you for that opportunity. So my last name is, it's Ethan. Last name is Butte, B-E-U-T-E. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on almost any social network as Ethan Butte. And uh, we are BombBomb. It's just B-O-M-B, B-O-M-B. It's the word bomb twice, no space in between. We're BombBomb on all the social networks. And we're at BombBomb.com. The book is at BombBomb.com slash book. My podcast is at BombBomb.com slash podcast. And so I am pretty easy to find as long as you get it spelled right, B-E-U-T-E. Awesome. And if you're allowed to give it out, new book, when are we supposed to like expect all of that stuff to come out? Yeah, I need to finish the manuscript and I am close and that will kind of dictate the release date, but we're looking for fall. It'll probably be September, October, 2021. Cool. And it's obviously on a lot of the themes that we talked about, this tension between attention, trust, visual and emotional communication. It's not all video messages, by the way. Rehumanize was all about video messaging. This expands and it's about video messages, live video calls, and just about being more personal and more human more often, treating people like people and not like numbers. And the magic that happens when we do that. That was a fun one. I really enjoyed talking to Ethan. I mean, I could talk to him for another hour, you know, about video. But I really love this element of rehumanizing your business. You know, this kind of theme of like, how do we get the prospect to see us as a person? So my ask of you is if you listen to this podcast, send out a video, send it to me. You have my email address. If you're on our email list, you have my LinkedIn. We're probably connected there. So one of those two places, send me a video and say, hey, I really like the episode that you did with Ethan. Or you can give me some feedback on it if you had some feedback, but that would be a good way to practice. No call to action, no ask, nothing like that. Just send me a video or send Ethan a video and let us know what you think. So appreciate you tuning into the podcast. We got a bunch more coming. We have a skill series that we just did. So the last four or five episodes were a skill series. Hopefully you're digging that and we got a lot more coming. So thanks for being a loyal listener and we'll talk to you soon.